This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. It's City Talk 105.9 and you're listening to In Touch, the Rugby League Hour. And it's a very special show tonight because we're down at the Fly in the Loaf pub on Harbin Street in Liverpool City Centre. I'm Lauren Moss and I'm joined here at one of the hearts of rugby league in the city by Warrington's Mickey High and my co-host Steve Manning, Saints' John Wilkin and licensee Dominic Hornsby. Evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good morning. We're also joined by a live audience. Shout hello. Hello. <laughs> And uh, we're going to be getting their views and questions over the next hour here on City Talk, where we talk Rugby League and the World Cup 2013 as we go into the final group games tonight and this weekend. We'll also hear from England coach Steve McNamara, Australia's Jonathan Thurston and Tony Iroh before 7-2. So let's just set the scene here. The Fly and the Loaf on Harman Street used to be Kirkland's Bakery and Wine Bar before becoming what it is now, almost 10 years ago. And I have it on very good authority that if these walls could talk they would tell some very interesting stories about the Saints players who have spent many an evening down here for end-of-season dues, birthdays, stag dues, etc. John, Dominic, if you'd like to uh, tell us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm not really sure that... Um, you can remember? I went, yeah, mostly quite inebriated when I leave. It's usually... Uh, I can recollect coming in here, but very rarely remember the, <laughs> the exit. That's due to Dom's excellent skills as a landlord. I think he's... Uh, He's uh, one of the best at, at getting you in, corrupting you, and then leaving you, casting you aside at the end of the night. That's right, Dominic. Well, dear me, John, that's wonderful, really. Thanks very much. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking more of my Holix cells and fresh orange cells. But um, no, honestly, it's, it's been great over the years to, to host the boys in various capacities. As you say, Lauren, at various kind of occasions has happened here. Obviously, John's uh, John's popped in as well for a cup of tea now and again in the afternoon. So, no, it's it's... It's a great rugby league pub. I've, I've tried to make it a rugby league pub. Obviously, it's a, it's a football city, a soccer mad city. Um, I'm as mad about rugby league as people are here about football. So it's my place, and I've thought, right, we're having a, a rugby league, a rugby league headquarters or a rugby league heaven in a soccer mad city. So. And it's very Saints-based. There's uh, lots of Saints shirts hanging up on the wall. Behind us now, we've got actually shirts from a variety of teams, including Warrington. Mickey, this is your first time here, though. And uh, welcome to the heart of rugby league in Liverpool, or one of. Yeah, it is. It's, it's great to see that you know, they're trying to get some rugby around, as, as, as you've said, the, the soccer mad area. And, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a bustling, bustling city around here. And I'm sure they'll, if anybody watches rugby league, I'm sure they'll catch on and... Obviously, you know, a few people that are in already, they must like the rugby league. So, um, no, it's a great area and it, you know, it looks a great pub. And I went to the tiles before, I'm sure that's where the Saints bar is upstairs. <laughs> I don't think you'd let them loose in this bottom end. There's here. like it's a private room uh, upstairs, yeah. it's not just the toilet. Way, <laughs> lock the door. It's a cage, yeah, upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> they just, just lock us in. It's the Nosley Road cage, just upstairs. <laughs> well, you will be showing um, Scotland against the USA tonight here at the Fly in the Loaf. So, two weeks into the World Cup, we're continuing to see records broken for fan attendance, sellout games, and the RFL's actually called it astonishing this week have you all been enjoying it well I think it's been fantastic uh, the games have been really close and you mentioned the, the crowds and that was part of the uh, thing would we get the crowds could we market it could we do this and you've got to say up to now we've done a superb job and like I said we're just uh, coming up to the end of week two and week three to come and you'd like to think it could only get better what about the USA showing off some in incredibly entertaining performances everyone seemed to with all you know due respect to them have written them off before it even began 
Mickey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's been a revolution. You know, I watched I watched John's pretty face on um, the Super League show the other night, and um, <laughs> indeed the day after his I birthday, it, no less. Yeah, yeah, I think it nearly cracked my screen, but uh, no, like John, John stated, no, seriously, now, you know, he's a good-looking lad. And the makeup team did wonders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he got there for half seven, didn't you? But no, like John stated, I think the, you know the game in the USA. You know, they, they love the contact sport and stuff, and I'm hoping, you know, if people have got hold of it over there, I'm sure they'll be really, really impressed by it. And, you know, I'm certainly, I think it's great for the game, the so-called lesser countries, you know, USA are unbeaten, I think Scotland are as well. It's um, it's fantastic, and it's anything to go by. It should be a cracker of a game tonight. I, I think there's a, a few things what's gone really well with the World Cup. One, one as an example and a template for the game going forward is that they've committed a team, sort of five or six people for the last three years have been committed to making the World, World Cup a success. And at our, the RFL headquarters, they've had six people working on it and really good people. And, and, and I think the, the tournament's been a reflection on the hard work they've put in for a start, Sally Bolton, all of their team. And then secondly, you know, one of the big key performance things with, for the World Cup was how the lesser nations performed and the likes of USA, Scotland, Fiji, you know, Tonga, Samoa, Really, the the improvement they've made since 2008 in the World Cup, last World Cup which I played in, is remarkable, and um, I think that's what's going to define this World Cup. Not, you know, we always knew England, New Zealand, Australia were going to be good. Uh, you know, the the biggest key success for me is is the weaker teams have improved so much, like ridiculous amounts. Because you never would have thought tonight's game was going to be one that is going to be wow, it's going to be entertaining. And, and you can't is, call it. Yeah, this is the game. I think everybody's talking about it, and and it's gathered momentum and Scotland have gathered real momentum as well and and uh, you know I think that's what's been exciting about the World Cup as well as the attendances and the viewing figures and you know all the other bits which people will look at as to define success um, the challenge is to then you know capture this what we've got now and make the most of it following the World Cup and, and that'll be the challenge for the game don't necessarily think the challenge was making the World Cup a success it's how do we then extract the value following the World Cup taking it forward what about Wales their chance of getting out of the, the group stage is gone now after that USA result how much of a blow is that going to be for, for their sport I mean I think Jesen Harris has been playing it down that it's going to be damaging on a, you know, a league level but what, what are your thoughts there? I think obviously they'll build I know they'll be looking at the grassroots that, that have come through but there was that expectancy wasn't it no disrespect to Italy in the double header they were expected to win that one and uh, I suppose they were expected to win the game against USA but fair play to those sides um, especially the USA one I mean uh, Wales took the lead and you think well they'll kick on from here but uh, it there's not the doom and gloom. It, it, what will be interesting, and we're trying to be positive, is what sort of reaction will be down South Wales when they play their uh, final game at the Knoll, which sadly is, is a nothing game for them. But, uh, you know, hopefully it'll get supported down South Wales. But I don't think anybody's expected. We expected there to be a quarter final at Wrexham and Wales will be taking on Australia. Yeah, just following on from Steve, I, I just think, like um, like most rugby games, even like Super League, if you're not quite on your game, you are going to get turned over, and that's the quality of the competition. Like John said, the, the so-called lesser teams now, you know, they're coming here not to make the numbers up. They want to play, and by the style of rugby they're playing as well, you know, they're expressing themselves, they're enjoying the rugby, and if you're not quite on that game and don't take your chances, there's a chance you get turned over. And unfortunately, you know, for Wales, who are probably certainly announced that are expected to to go quite far in this competition, it's you know they've come to a premature end, and it's. Um, it just shows that you've got to you've got to be on top of your game, and or else you know you, you suffer the consequences. Well, let's hear from the USA's Eddie Pettibone now, who spoke to Adrian Jackson after the result of the weekend. 
Yeah, you know, the boys um, done really well out there. It was a tough game against Wales. We knew it was going to be tough, uh, especially with our four-day turnaround. Uh, it doesn't make it easier for us, but, um, you know, the boys stuck in hard. Um, you know, we trained pretty hard. We focused pretty well, and um, we done well for the team, and it was good to get a win. Wales were playing really well. They're strong in the middle, and, um, you know, we're just trying to capitalise um, our errors that we've, um, you know, we tossed up too many penalties. And uh, it, was just, it was just hard. Um, you know, you can't play a game of footy like that against any other teams. So we just got to, yeah, complete, um, and, you know, complete our sets and get to our kick and, yeah, hopefully score some tries. Pretty close at half-time. What's had to be said in the, in the sheds at half-time? I was more just controlling. Um, just, you know, too many errors, uh, too many penalties and just back-to-back sets with defending. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, to back up over that. But the boys dug in deep and they've done well so it's great effort to the boys and take my hat off to them. And that's the USA's Eddie Pettibon speaking to Adrian Jackson there so we're here at the Fly in the Loaf in Liverpool City Centre I'm Laura Moss Steve Manning's here as is Mickey Heim John Wilkin and Dominic Hornsby the licensee of the pub another team putting out some incredible performances before we go on to talking about England Ireland Scotland that thrilling result against Italy playing the USA tonight possibly facing New Zealand in the quarterfinals how far do you think they can go? Yeah, I think Scotland have got a great chance. Um, I, I think, really, realistically, if they're, they're going to play against England, Australia, uh, New Zealand, I think they'll, they'll struggle in those games. But of all the emerging nations, they're probably one of the, the strongest you know, teams in that. Um, I think the key to, to what Scotland have done on Scotland's success has been the halfbacks in Wallace, Brough, mm-hmm. and then Henderson at at dummy half now Mickey will tell you dummy half is is probably one of the most crucial positions on the field and and not just saying it because Mickey's here today Warrington's success this year has been off the back of some of Mickey's performances alongside Michael Monaghan at times and um, Scotland have really nailed that they've got the halves playing well and the hooker Henderson who's a real threat out of dummy half and, and that's why for me they've been one of the sort of real good messages from the World Cup and one of the standout performers so let's move on to talking about England now. All the headlines this week about Zach Hardacre, now been fined by Leeds, issued an apology uh, last night. How much uncertainty would that throw over the camp? Will the players be distracted by that? Obviously, he's not featured yet anyway. Um, from a personal point of view, it, it won't really affect me. Whether it does other people, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, they're, they're, I think, you know, in, in the press, there's always going to be that negative press, whether, whether people have handled it this way and that. Is it right or wrong? But... Um, you know, I think there's only Zach knows what, what you know what he's done. Obviously, the boys at in camp, I don't think they'll they'll bring the reasons out why. But um, you know, it's you know England are they're really professional at the moment. They're trying to do everything by right and get all the preparation right. And obviously, something you know somewhere has gone wrong. And um, you know, you, you, if you want to if you want to win a, a World Cup, you know, you've probably got to sacrifice. And you know, maybe a handful of the boys have you know it's been a long season. You know, it, it's pretty tough after a long grueling season to go go again and train hard. It, it is tough and. You know, maybe the boys need a blow it at times, but you know, you've got to, you've got to pick your times right. And I'm assuming by all you know, all the rumour mills and everything that's going on, there's been a couple of curfew breaches, and it's not quite, not quite worked out for them. But um, you know, I don't think they brought anybody in. So you know, so Steve's pretty mm. confident still with his squad. He's got, he's got 23 fellas that can, you know, these sure that can do a job, and on the day sure they can do a job. So no, he'll, you know, whether it's, you know, he, he don't, I don't think he need to reshuffle much to be honest with you. You know, he's, I think he's got his squad in mind and his team. But um, I think being the professional outfit, you know, John will, John will vouch for it. You've just got to carry on doing what you're doing, and you know, the rest will take care of itself. 
Speaking of the rumour mill, Steve, what's the, the word like in, in the media among the other sports journals and, and the gossiping? Are, are they looking at this negatively or have they sort of brushed it to one side and focusing on the, on the weekend? I, I think they're trying to focus on England, but obviously when something like this comes up, you know, you've got to ask the questions. I know that Steve stuck to his guns that sometimes, like, you know, we're trying to make a, a mountain out of a molehill, but, you know, you've got to ask the questions. That's what the journals do. Um, a certain person who I'm just talking to asked some good questions last week uh, as such, which uh, they didn't get answered sort of thing. But oh, you talking about when we had Brian Barr? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, um, you know. Some but, excellent but, sidestepping there. Well, that's also why, like a politician. Well, that's why we're there. That's why we're there. That's what we do. You know, you've got to ask these questions, sort of thing. And obviously, Steve's play, playing the party line. At the end of the day, it won't matter what happened after the Italy game. It won't matter what happened to Zakaria okay? if we win that World Cup on the thirtieth of November. We'll all be saying fantastic. That'll all be gone. And from Steve's point of view, that's what he's looking to. He's got his structures and he'll keep to them structures and again you know John you're probably more of an expert you know with having been in, involved over this last couple of years with the camps yeah I, I think what's what's probably been disappointing for Steve is that they've invested so much resource and time and money into making sure that every detail was covered and then uh, for the guys to get back from South Africa you know a tri an expensive trip to South Africa that's designed to get the guys back in top physical performance then for them to sort of undo some of that good work it's probably a little bit embarrassing more than anything for Steve uh, you know I, I, I'm not sure I've been involved in squads me and Mickey have been involved in national squads where things like this do happen you know you've got a, a group of guys who've worked really hard all year um, you know it's part of the culture whether right or wrong I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong um, I think you know there's, there's ways of dealing with it I'm not sure whether it's been dealt with in the best way possible but then again as an individual whom I've never had to deal with something like this where Dominic you know landlord of the fly and the loaf probably disciplinary <laughs> breaches by your staff you'd obviously deal with in the similar nature wouldn't you absolutely John and sometimes you have to have disciplinary hearings here for customers and stuff so it's it's like uh, when when if people have a couple more holics as we alluded to before than normal then you'd have to have a disciplinary hearing here on a, on a Tuesday instead of going <laughs> to Red Hall at Leeds so what usually happens at the end of season do for Saints then well, there's the, 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 that's uh, you speak to Steve about that one, Lauren. To be fair, <laughs> you mentioned then about being in the England camps in the past and stuff. Is it very, very different the way things are done? Obviously, with the training stuff, it, it goes without saying you're not playing with your regular teammates that you see week in, week out. You're spending all your time together. What is going to be going through their minds, and how easy is it to sort of, I don't know, sort of take your foot off the gas, maybe get a bit tempted by having a, a few. Sherbets or whatever. Well, no, I think that one of the issues is that we, everybody's an individual, right? We all do different things, and, and as individuals, we all have different habits. And, and, and one of the issues is, as a national team, when you come together, you're not actually sure what guys' habits are Monday to Friday. You don't know whether some guys may well enjoy, you know, going out for a meal on a Tuesday. Some guys might just relax all week. Some guys might want, you know, fancy a couple of beers one night. And, 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 and you don't know that. And then when you get in camp, you're kind of sometimes shocked by the fact that everybody's different. And, and for me, that's what's been exposed here is that some guys behave in a certain way and, and not everybody's going to behave in, in one sort of one manner. So I think part of of uh, the way you deal with this is, is my management and looking at that and looking at the blend of people that you've got uh, it doesn't make it easy because it just creates negative news stories now whether it's a good thing for the team because there's not been much said about the game at the weekend the Fiji game um, performance wise you know that might be a positive for the team yeah true enough I think that the actual game itself the England um, Fiji game hasn't really been touched on that the actual game itself it's been behind the scenes stuff and stuff with Zach Hardhaker but 
as as Steve mentioned there, come come semi final and final time, and hopefully we're all there at Old Trafford on the 30th of November, and hopefully we see England lift the World Cup. And if that's the case, which we're all dreaming of, then the nation should and and will go crackers and and celebrate it in style and all this kind of stuff. I think will be forgotten about. And the, and the first weekend in December, if England win the World Cup, Dominic said uh, there's free bath between 12 p.m. <laughs> and 4 p.m. on the following Saturday. From and that's the at the World Fly in the Loaf. Absolutely. And, the Absolutely. Loaf. and there'll be an open top bus tour around the city and then I will send all the bills to our great pal, Neil Holding. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to take a short break now on City Tour 105.9, but afterwards we'll hear from England coach Steve McNamara and talk about that game with Fiji coming up at the weekend. In touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown, City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to City Talk 105.9. It's In Touch, and tonight we're at the Fly in the Loaf on Hardman Street in Liverpool City Centre. I'm Laura Moss, Warrington's Mickey Heim joins me as his co-host Steve Manning, Saints' is John Wilkin, and Fly in the Loaf licensee Dominic Hornsby. We also have a live audience. Hey. There they are. And we're actually going to take some questions from the audience in a moment. Uh, before the break, though, we were talking about the situations with uh, Zach Hardacre and the England camp. And now we're going to hear from England coach Steve McNamara, who's unveiled his squad for the game at the weekend. I just think defensively, we, we did enough just to defend what Ireland threw at us. I know we got a, a zero next to our name on the scoreboard, but I actually felt we defended better the week before against Australia. Uh, we're more vigour and uh, we're certainly looking to improve in, in that area this week. We made a few changes this week. We've got three players coming in. Sam Burgess is back, Lee Mossop's back. But I think the big one is Mick, Mickey McAlorum's first opportunity in the tournament. Yeah, Mickey deserves it. He's um, tremendous, trained tremendously hard. He's a very aggressive type of player, as we know. Um, and some of the things that we were we were lacking last week, elements to our, to our game as a as a whole, not just as individuals, but as a whole, uh, Mickey certainly brings those qualities. Is that the reason why you brought him in? You're going to be very aggressive in the approach because Fiji have shown that they've played quite aggressive in, in their in their last two games as well. I think we need to do it for ourselves. I think we we defended a little bit passively last week like I said I think we, we did just enough to defend what Ireland threw at us I thought we were very slick and fluent on certain occasions in attack we, we certainly threw a lot of shapes at the opposition and uh, for a, you know, I got a real purple patch where we scored lots of points but I think right from the start to the end of the game defensively we just did enough and uh, we need to be better How do you react when people in the game are suggesting that Fiji could beat us on Saturday? Well everyone's entitled to the opinion I think they've uh, obviously seen a, a Fiji team that's very exciting, you know. It's got some brilliant outside backs, uh, very flamboyant. And we've got a, a set of forwards who are as physical as any team in the tournament. So I can see why people would uh, suggest that Fiji would be a threat. Is it all about progression now? You want to improve every week? I think that's probably the case, you know, all the way through. I mean, you, you'd be unrealistic to think you're going to play at your very best from the very first game right through to the very last game. I think it's important that you, you play good and, and well enough to beat teams in and around you. But uh, at some point in the tournament, you need to, to put the good parts of each performance together and start getting complete performances. And I think for us as an England team, uh, we understand that for us to win games and win them well, we have to be uh, up near our best and nothing else really will probably do from this point, particularly against Fiji and then obviously in, into quarterfinals and semi-final stage. The players that you have left out this week, um, Gareth Widder, James Roby, Tom Burgess, how have they reacted to that? Well, I think they'll, they'll obviously be disappointed they're not playing. They, everybody wants to play for the country and be part of nearly every game in the tournament. But uh, we've got to plot our way through to, to winning this tournament. I've got to find the best route possible for that. 
and uh, some other players really deserve an opportunity this week and the players who, who are playing are outstanding players still they, they are very very good rugby league players and, and good people and as I've said on numerous occasions it's strange at international level the last time some of these players were left out of their teams would, would have been when they were teenagers and the, the first picks the regulars in uh, in whatever club they play for so it's um, it's strange and different from but it's not something that we've uh, that's new to us. That's England coach Steve McNamara. So let's talk about England, Fiji now. What are England expected to do? Well, they're expected to win the game, no doubt about it. But I think one, one thing they need to do is, is um, win the game in a manner that, that leads them nicely into the bigger games at the end of the season, uh, without doubt, uh, end of the competition, sorry. Uh, the semi-final, quarter-final games are going to be really tough physical games for them, so I'd be disappointed if England went into this game with quite a soft mentality. I think they need to be really ruthless with, with Fiji and uh, you know really be focused. And, and I think um, I'd be surprised if Steve doesn't give some of the guys in the squad a little bit of a run-out this week. Um, just in case he needs the likes of McLaurin and a few of the other guys around the camp but um, yeah it's a, it's a huge week and probably one of the most important weeks of the tournament for England so far Because it's about the way they do it isn't it I mean I know the scoreline against Ireland was emphatic but for me the second half the second half of the second half probably wasn't as definitive as you, you might have expected when you looked at how they started the game yeah, I agree, and probably that's something you know Steve and the the, boy, the boys will want to work on. Let's be a bit more ruthless. You know, we've got a healthy lead at our time, and you know, probably meant a natural, you know, natural thing to do is you know you, you do probably take your foot off. You don't want to, but it does happen at times. And um, I think Steve will be looking for a way to really get through and you know be a bit more ruthless and finish the games off even you know more emphatic. And um, certainly this week, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a tough test because also I think Fiji and England, you want to finish as high as you can in the table. You know, I'm not sure the teams that will play if you're second and third, but you know, if you like, you ask any sports person or anybody in any any form of life, you want to be as high as you can in anything you do. So, um, you know that you probably, you know, I think Australia will be finished top of the group. They should do, but um, you know, if you finish second in the group, it, you, you, I'm assuming you get the easier tie. So it's you know, there's quite a lot to play for, and um, you know, Fiji have been pretty impressive. Another scoreline against Australia, you know, they, they ran away then, but I saw some signs there that Fiji are, uh, you know, I think they're a bit of a force to be reckoned with. They've got some quality NRL players in there with a few, you know, danger Fijians as well. So it's um, be a tough test for tough test for England, but I think as John said, I think this is the game probably England were looking for. I think I'd sooner have this game than maybe say, no disrespect, the Ireland game leading to the big games. Bit of a tougher it out. And if they put an 80 minute performance in leading to the you know, finals, the finals of the competition, the quarters and semis, it's, uh, you know, should stand them in good stead. You mentioned the Fiji-Australian result there. Well, let's hear from Jonathan Thurston now, played a huge part in that, obviously, magic player, and he says it was a whole team effort. Yeah, it was a, a, a tough night at the office. Um, you know, the conditions were really tough, and um, once again, we, we coughed up a lot, a lot of ball, and, um, you know, the Fijians uh, took advantage of that and got a few repeat sets. But, you know, the pleasing thing about it was we were able to defend our errors and that's what you need to do in this competition. From a positive note as well, you didn't concede any tries as well? Yeah, that's right. You know, um, like I said, you know, it was tough conditions. And, um, you know, like the first game, we, we coughed up a bit of ball and, and we did that again tonight. And uh, the Fijians got a, a few repeat sets and, and put us under the pump. And but um, you know the pleasing thing about it was we were able to defend those errors. You made the two wins from two with the win site. So you're happy with the way things are progressing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need to keep uh, getting better each week, and um, you know keep approaching the game each game with with the respect that it deserves and and, and the right attitude and, and making sure that we're improving each week. 
Terrible conditions here in St. Sam's tonight, but you made the kicking off the touchline look really easy. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> I shanked one of them, but yeah, you know, the pleasing thing about it was I uh, was able to slot a few. So um, yeah, you know, there's still areas that we need to improve on. That means you're going to finish top of the group with the victory tonight, but uh, you might have a last game against Ireland. You're looking forward to the shirt to Ireland? Yeah, definitely. We'll get over there for a few days and um, promote the game, and uh, that's what it's about. So hopefully, you know, a, a good crowd will, will turn out to watch the, watch the game, and hopefully, you know, we can put on a spectacle for them. It's in touch on City Talk 105.9. We're down at the Fly in the Loaf on Harbin Street in Liverpool City Centre. We've got a live audience now. We're going to put some questions to, to Mickey and to John. And here's Bob. Hiya, Bob. How's it going? Oh, very good. I'd just like to ask a question about sponsorship, really. Um, we've got frontline sponsors at St. Helens in Taifu and Warrington, Mick, have just pulled off a, a major queue, I think, with Emirates, which is really, you know, top-of-the-range sponsorship. So what, in your opinion, stops us getting sponsors for uh, the Super League, Rugby League and the World Cup in general? If we can get those for the teams, what stops us getting them for the competitions? Yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. I wish I, wish I knew the answer. And, um, certainly... <laughs> I think the rugby league wish to do the answer, or if they do, they're not, they're not telling us yet. I don't know what it is, but um, you know whether whether the rugby league, you know, are, are they too are they too proud to maybe go to Warrington and St Helens and just say, can we have a bit of, can we have a bit of advice? Or I don't know what have you got these coops? And certainly, you know, we've you know we're, we're in a World Cup in one of the greatest sports, you know, in, you know one of the best best sports in the world, and you know obviously it's not as big as your other sports, you know that's natural, but um, surely they can get some sponsorship in, and like you said, it's. If, if, if Super League teams can get the coops like they have, I'm sure they w- the International Rugby League can get a coop because it's you know it's quick, cause it's a well it's a it's a well watched sport. It's, it's popular. It's growing and yeah, I just um, I just hope they can they certainly get a sponsor for Super League next year. I don't know what your thoughts are, John. No, I, I, yeah, I think one of the issues with the game what we have is that we are used to leveraging the emotional connection with the game or a passionate sort of following of the game to extract commercial value from from sponsors and partners and and the big guys are not interested in 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 an emotional connection with a sport unless you know it just happens that their CEO or you know their board have an interest in the game and therefore there is that emotional link. You know, we need to provide a compelling argument business-wise why they should get involved with the game and and there's numbers actually that support a really strong argument for getting involved in rugby league you know the uh, audience figures for the the game against australia at millennium stadium and the, the world cup opener was i think it was 2.4 million people were watching that game watching rugby league and a million people then stayed on to watch the next game which was wales and, and italy which you know you, you look at that with our combined sort of cumulative um attendances to games through the year and it's a really compelling argument for big, you know, blue chip businesses to get involved. And you know, some of the arguments why rugby league doesn't attract big sponsorship would be, you'd say, it's regional identity, the fact that it's not genuinely an international sport, uh, that its footprint over the country is not as big as other sports. But you know, I, I did a bit of looking around about this, and the Gaelic Athletic Association in Ireland, they, they centrally attract 7.8 million pounds worth of revenue in sponsorship. And uh, in the same comparable time in rugby league, we attracted 1.8, and we far exceed their participation numbers. They're definitely a regional sport, as are we. You know, our TV audience is miles bigger than them. Our actual footprint and the number of people we contact is bigger. So for me, that's not an excuse. It's just not an excuse. And we should be. We are. We should be doing far better than what we are. And 
you know, that's the challenge for the game. Yeah, I think as much as anything, we've got these partnerships, haven't we? We've got the partnerships in the World Cup. We've had the partnerships in Super League this last season, albeit that we didn't have a major sponsor. And it's just getting that major sponsor. The negativity might be from the previous sponsor where, uh, as it were, literally we gave it away. And originally I thought, what a fantastic idea. You know, vehicles, heavies going up and down the corridor, not just the M62, you know, showing these athletes recording the game now obviously I'm aware of how many actually were there but that's by the by but the bottom line that concept was exciting and we didn't we didn't buy into that and then obviously they're now looking for another exactly yeah and now we're looking they're looking for another sponsor and I suppose if you're a business if somebody's got it for nothing other business owners well if you're you know, you're wanting us to pay for it, but they d- didn't pay anything. And it's a diffi- it's difficult, but now they've got to go out. And I know that, that they're hoping from the sponsors and partners for the World Cup that some of these will come on board and we may well actually get a major sponsor. But, but we do need one, I think, for the credibility of the competition because like, I think we all agree the prototype there is absolutely first class. We, we need more than one as well. Yeah, but I think a bit, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, yeah. we, we've, yeah. I've just, there's a six million shortfall in how our game performs to a comparable mm-hmm. sport. Mm-hmm. Right, that, um, and we're living in cloud cuckoo land if we think somebody's going to tip up six million on one sponsorship. We need to be better commercially from grassroots to the top of the game and there actually needs to be some thought put into how we develop the game commercially. I think going out and getting a title sponsor, you know, is, is, is great, but what, what's the plan, you know, to really activate that sponsorship? As Steve mentioned, we had Stobart's on board, but... Really, the sponsorship was a little bit of a joke from the start, and we didn't activate it. You know, we, we, we essentially sent trucks around the country with pitches on. Now, what you else? were on one of them. I was, yeah, yeah. There's a thing that, that got That's torched why. on the end. You get your image. If you get image rise, Do you know what? The only the only time it got I mentioned. That's why it burnt out. I know, yeah. <laughs> he looked a bit the younger then as well, didn't he? The, the only time anybody <laughs> mentioned that the truck, he said that we just overtook your truck. So there's the irony in the fact that there's just people bombing past me, which is quite a familiar. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get another quick question before we take a break. Who's next? My question was about Brian Barwick, what he actually is going to bring to our game. What's the future, what he's going to do? The big black book, what he's got from the, uh, the FA. How's he going to benefit our game from this? Because from where I'm sitting, I've not seen anything done about it yet. Last week we had him and we tried to tie him down to a lot of things and there were certain things he didn't want to talk about. But uh, I did mention this big black book and he said he's got that big black book and he's working 24-7 for the improvement of the game. Initially, his uh, term of references that he's only got one day a month that he's been involved with rugby league, but he's putting a lot more man hours in it. I think he realises uh, what, 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 he, what he's got to do and he's passionate about the game uh, as such, but... I think we're still in a situation from your point of view and I suppose from my point of view, media and ourselves, that, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk. There's a guy uh, where a game's being played tonight that he's done exactly that. So it's, uh, I think it's watch this space. As players, are you confident that he, he is going to bring that with his FA experience? I'd like to think so. You know, the Premier League, we previously worked on the FA, sorry, whatever. You know, that's a pretty cutthroat business. You know, obviously there's a lot more money involved, but... You know, if to work in in that industry, you must be, you know you must have something about you. That's what I, my, my personal thought is. So hopefully, if you can if you can transfer some ideas and thoughts and ideas across to a you know our, our, gov- our governing body, hopefully we we can really move forward. And like Steve said, if he's you know he's talked the talk, hopefully he can he can put that into place now and get us really moving forward. All right, well, we're going to take another short break now on City Talk 105.9, but afterwards we'll chat more to Mickey and John and hear for some more teams that are in action in the group games this coming week.
In Touch. In Touch on City Talk 105.9. It's In Touch on City Talk 105.9. I'm Laura Moss and we're down at the Fly in the Loaf pub on Hardman Street in Liverpool City Centre. We're joined by Warrington's Mickey Heim. Saints is John Wilkin, licensee of the Fly in the Loaf, Dominic Hornsby and my co-host as ever, Steve Manning. Before the break, we were taking uh, questions from the audience. We will return to them in a minute. There they are, having a, having a great time down here. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about the World Cup in a minute, but on a club level now, um, Mickey, can I just ask you about uh, Chris Hill? He's having a great tournament so far and just signed a new uh, long-term contract at Warrington. Yeah, um, I, I, saw him, I saw him this morning and um, he still won't buy me a coffee. Still deep pocket. <laughs> all, all the money he's got now. But no, um, Has he got his own car? Because you're driving around in Mike Cooper's car. Ooh! <laughs> No we'll comment. Chris, we'll to Chris Hill anyway. <laughs> John, don't go there, mate. <laughs> hey, it's a free car, John. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Mickey's renowned as being one of the tightest Careful. men in rugby league. Careful. In rugby league. In fact, he was texting me on the way, informing me how many minutes were left on the meter that he's paid for. He's not really. I'm joking. John, have you got your own car? You say a Saints I, car with, no, with no, Wilkin no, no, emblazoned all. on the no, side. No, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, anyway yeah, Mike, I mean Mike, Mickey, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Chris Hill. Yeah, um, I, he's like one of the success stories, you know. That he played his trade in the lower leagues, and I watched Chris a few years at Lee, and you know he stood out for me in that league. You know he was too good, not too good, but you know he was he, he was destined for bigger things. And you know Tony, you know being the shrewd operator, he is he. He made the signing and probably got him on the cheap, really, <laughs> originally. And um, his first year, you know, he excelled. You know, he broke in the dream team, broke in the England squad and fully deserved. He was he was our player of the year last year by the year before. It was me last year. I was going to say, you were player of yeah. the year this year, weren't you? Thanks, thanks for <laughs> that. Doing yourself discredit. Surely they could give for you me, your own for me, part. He could, he could have probably got it last year as well. He led um, you into that one then, didn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he's, he's down to earth and... To me, he deserves every success he gets and fully rewarding new five-year contract. And I think he's been one of the standout performers in the World Cup as well. He's um, he just you know he's he's just what we need in the game. You know, he's he, he, I really hope he, he goes on to bigger, better things. I'm sure he will. You know, I said he'd get second-year syndrome this year, but um, he's proved me wrong. And you know, he's um, he's a That's great. That's why he buy the coffee. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but no, he's a great lad to have around, and he, he just shows you keep playing the game, keep enjoying the game, doing the things you love, and working hard. And you, Chris is a great. A great example, you get reward and, you know, I'm really pleased for him. And what about one of your new signings for next season, John? Mossy Masseau, we've seen him in action. What's he going to bring to Saints? Well, it's certainly not subtlety, is he? Mossy's a big guy, you know. There's a real demand for big, athletic people in the game. The bigger not. You, the bigger you are. He's going to run at me, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the bigger you are, the stronger you are, the faster you are, the, the easier the game seems to be at times. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think um, Mossy's going to be great for us. More exciting than Mossy, I think to a point is Luke Walsh uh, Luke Walsh is, is a really great halfback from Penrith uh, he's got one of the best kicking games in the NRL renowned has been a great organiser communicator probably since Sean Long left the club something we've lacked so yeah they, me, should, they struggle in halves they, they do yeah year, they, they, do. <laughs> they do they struggle when you've got a guy with number 12 on his back playing scrum half so yeah no yeah, I'm really excited about uh, scrum half stuck in a props body in <laughs> right should we get some more questions from the audience now who's got one Marie Marie, who's your question for? It's for the, the whole panel, really. I'm just going back a bit to the sponsorship, and we were saying, I know we've got like quite a wide portfolio of sponsorship for the World Cup now, and I'm personally really, really hoping that there are people that maybe considered it and drew back, thinking, kicking themselves and thinking, I've missed out on something really big here, and I'm not going to do that again. But how important do you think it is, in the same kind of way that the Olympics did, you know, they, they were really intent on building on what they brought to the, the profile that they brought to those sports, 
do you not think it's really important now that we take what we've got and move forward with that and say, look, we've seen you've seen all the games and this is the time to bring the sponsorship on board while we've had the, the media and the, the publicity and the crowds. Now is the time, the perfect time. Can we be seeing in 12 months' time a, a totally changed sponsorship perhaps for, for the sport? I think I think we've got to because we've got to try and make it a success over here from the grassroots upwards. Uh, obviously, a lot of it goes as, as it were to the top table in the pyramid, but you've got to work downwards for the players that are coming through. And we've got we've got to do it. We, we've we've got to uh, make a mark as such. I mean, the the sponsorship and money and profit that goes from this competition goes obviously to the com competing countries all throughout the world, sort of thing. So they will build on it, but we've got to build on it because you've got to have a legacy. There's a, there's a lot of money gone into it. There's a lot of manpower, uh, person power, call it what you want, and we have got to build on it. Uh, we, we need we need it for the credibility of the sport. I think so. I mean, obviously, after the Olympic legacy, what you've just mentioned there, Marie, and we talked about. In, in this country anyway like a decade of sport you've got the Rugby Union World Cup coming up as well and our, our soccer team will be over in Brazil but I think this is the ideal opportunity now for our game of rugby league this is the World Cup can act as a, as a springboard in effect for for future years to come and future seasons to come and for as well as our domestic game to develop and the profile to increase in the Northern Hemisphere is for the national team, which these blokes have been involved with for many years. Um, and I think Steve McNamara now has got a, a tremendous, um, what, what shall we say, a tremendous setup there with, with the England squad and, and the support network there is again to develop from there and make us stronger again. And even if, shall I say, when we win the World Cup, and from there is get stronger again and just compete with Australia and beat them on a regular basis. I had just just one point. I just wish there'd been more games shown on terrestrial TV. You know, if you're like myself, you can't afford Premier Sports and all that. It, it is, you know, you don't, you don't get to see many just games. Just buy a coffee instead, mate. Yeah. I'm trying to. I keep messaging people. Can you get one of them free? Like a free, free view internet thing. It's like an internet download. Into you know, I can't get any of them working. That's called no, just called no, illegal. Can't even afford a computer. <laughs> no, just like, honestly, a bit of a fun point, but I just wish. You know, there's more games on Trestle TV, whether it's BBC Two, you know, and get people watching it more because the games that have been on BBC, they've been great games, and the games that are on Premier Sport, like USA's and your Scotland's and Tonga's, they've been fantastic. So it's just, let's try and get out there a bit more. Surely, you know, you can all watch British Bake Off, you know, when you put on Sky Plus, can't you? you know, Don't knock Mary Berry. <laughs> no, no, it's good doing it, that one. <laughs> I think I think Mickey's right there. I mean, even in the past, there's been so Premier Sport is great, great coverage and everything, but I think in the past, for for a national audience, for for the national conscious, I think. So there was talk in the past of using maybe BBC Three or BBC Four even for championship games or some of these group matches could have been on that for a national audience like terrestrial TV. So I don't know, maybe, maybe further down the line we can use them. Obviously we're using Premier Sports at the moment for this particular tournament. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I think there's plenty of avenues there. Again, what we talked about before for the right people involved in the game to pursue those avenues. And hopefully we all pull together, not just the players on the pitch, but everyone in, involved in the sport to take our sport and put it up where with the best of the sports. Speaking of Premier Sports City Talks, very own Natalie Quirk is involved in that, so we'll be speaking to her about that on the show when she returns, finding out what's been going on behind the scenes there. We'll take another question from the audience in a minute, but first let's hear it from New Zealand assistant coach and former Wigan player Tony Iroh. He says he hopes to have Tommy Lillowai back for the game with Papua New Guinea tomorrow. Yeah, scans come back all clear, so um, no tears, so it's just a minute... Uh, a matter of managing it as best we can. Um, it is something that we can't put a time frame on. 
uh, but we'll be doing everything we possibly can to get him back on the park. So I think for him, uh, it was just real positive news that there was no real structural damage, um, and hopefully he'll be able to just cope with the pain and, and get back on the park. Is it a situation where, because of the rules, and you can't replace him, that you're, you're more inclined to, to stick with Thomas, and if you, you know, you could drop and change people inside the squad? No, I, I think the fact that um, you know, once he had the scan, there was no damage there. Um, we're always going to give him as much time as possible because we know how important he is to to the side, um, and both in the leadership capacity and as a player. So we're prepared to wait. Um, you know, we'd like to think we've got another month in this tournament. Um, we think that's plenty uh, plenty enough time to get him right and back on the field and at 100 percent. It's in touch on City Talk 105.9. We're down at the Fly in the Loaf pub on Hardman Street with John Wilkin, Mickey Hyam, Licensee, Dominic Hornsby and Steve Manning. We're going to take a, a final question from our live audience before we wrap up the show for tonight. What's your name? Uh, Stuart. A uh, question particularly to, to John and Mickey. Just We were speaking before about uh, Chris Hill getting a, a, a new contract. Um, what do the guys think of the salary cap at the moment? Does it need to be increased? We've got players that are uh, the likes of Sam Tompkins going... Uh, to play in the Southern Hemisphere, are they, is the quality of player being appreciated here in the UK? Do we need to look at increasing the cap for senior players? Or are we paying junior players too much? Can it be spread better? And how do we you know, attract the Luke Walters when the kind of money that's in the NRL is available now? How do we get those big names to come over whilst we retain our own big names and make sure the sport develops? Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think in in terms of the the product itself, that uh, as mentioned previously, the most visible asset is the players, and uh, we need as many star players playing in our competition as possible. Um, you know, because the, the people get excited by by star names. We're, I was at a dinner um, last night where Mal Meninga came back to Langtree Park, and and you see. Mal Meninga was a star player and, and, and we are, what, 20 years on from when Mal came to St Helens. Um, he's still a star player who's attracting pounds and pence to be spent at the club of St Helens. So there is an influence needed by having star players. The challenge for the game is commercially getting to a stage where they can afford to pay the likes of Sam Tompkins to stay in this competition because at the moment the game faces a real threat from a number of sources. One, one being... Um, you know, I think obviously football being our national sport, rugby union, uh, obviously the financial rewards from being involved as an international rugby union player now are, you know, are astronomical. And then the NRL, where the salary caps reported to raise again. So, I think the migration of players is a real key issue. I don't think at the moment they can afford to increase the cap. I just don't think they can because we've got clubs in financial trouble, mm -hmm. and it'd be difficult to justify increasing the cap at the moment. But as a game we need to find a way and that's what we talk about the commercial side and a bit of what the previous question alluded to about sponsorship is off the back of the World Cup we need to maximise the the number of customers in sponsors participants people through turnstiles that we can yeah just backing on from that you know you can't blame you can't blame the lads going wanting to better selves you know obviously Aussie's the you know it's probably the more competitive league and obviously the, the salary cap now you know, you'll ask John and any other probably you don't you do not play rugby for the money. I certainly don't and clubs and you know, teams are they're offering you kind of money that, you know, probably the guys have been on. You you can't you can't knock it back and it's just a shame that, you know, we've not got that money and obviously the salary cap is in to keep the team uh, like a level playing field, but obviously some teams have got backers and owners, but obviously, you know, you, you they're not gonna you're not gonna be naughty and, you know, and spend over but um yeah, it's just, just a shame because it's a great sport and if you want to compete and, you know, try and compete with the, the, the Aussies and, 
you know the better teams and you, you know you, you do need more money unfortunately that's a part you know you look at in football the best teams have you know they've got the most money they've got people into you spend you know whether you cut the salary cap and you know, then it'd probably be a shame for some teams because they wouldn't be able to compete whatsoever. Yeah, there's two reasons for the salary cap. One, to create a level playing field and, uh, and probably second, to micromanage clubs' finances. Uh, the level playing field thing hasn't happened because our players, instead of migrating to the lower teams in the competition, leave the competition. So our players now, Sam Tomkins should have come off contract, Wakefield Trinity should have offered him above and beyond to go and play for them, but they don't. Uh, so Sam goes to Australia Joel Tompkins came off contract a lower club should have offered him money to stay in our competition but they don't so we've got six or seven teams that don't actually spend the cap and, and that's one of the re key reasons why the cap won't move Well I think we're all hoping that the Rugby League World Cup will serve as a springboard for all of this sorting out the sponsorship issues and marketing and so on it's certainly something that's going to rumble on for time to come that's all we've got time for now on City Talk 105.9. But thanks for joining us, Dominic. Thanks for hosting us here at the Fly and the Loaf, showing the games for the rest of the, the World Cup. John, thank you. Steve, Mickey, and to our audience as well. You're listening to In Touch on City Talk 105.9. This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9.